Before we get started on today's show, I want to tell you about MSU Denver Online. You got like four or five days left. January 19th, that's the spring semester begins, so you can register now before it's too late. MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree or living your life. You can work your job you're working now and go to school online. Um, if you want to shift careers, if you just want to educate yourself, whatever it is, really great opportunity there. MSU Denver Online is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs, and there's a great list of, of uh, professors, including our own Dr. Travis Heath, friend of the show. Haven't talked to him for a while. Need to get him back on the show, hear his thoughts about a bunch of variety of different topics. But you want to check it out, MSU Denver Online, Spring semester begins January 19th. What is up, everybody, and welcome into the DNVR Nuggets podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. You can download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up. Today's episode of the show, I am joined by Superstar Dev. What's going on, Dev? Hey, how's it going, Adam? Missed you guys yesterday. We missed too. Uh, we missed having our, our our big guy there to to, to run it through smoothly. It, be honest though, it's it was nice too. Every now and then it's nice nice sometimes to get a couple more shots up. You know, get a little bit more featured role in the offense. Don't lie, I see that smile. Yeah, you you saw exactly what I did yesterday. I tried to take over the, the show. I'm surprised that they let me uh, let me come back. You know that's how like Will Barton feels. You know that's how you know maybe even Millsap. You know Murray's out. Like oh okay, I guess I got to take more shots tonight. Don't mind that. <laughs> um, but today's show, guys, I want to talk a little bit about what happened yesterday in the game. A lot about Bol Bol because you know we got to see him. That was the surprise, the surprise of the year. Bol Bol starting lineup uh, against Kevin Durant. We're gonna talk about that decision, maybe why the Nuggets did it, and then also just what we saw from him and if we should expect to see more. But I want to start, Dev, and we're going to play some Devil's Advocate, by the way. Our new, uh, one of our, our games we've been wanting to play for a while, but we haven't really got to. But I want to start by talking about this James Harden deal, because it just went down. And the long and the short of it is that James Harden will be going to the, uh, the Brooklyn Nets, who Denver just placed. Um, and I, I thought for a while it was, it was Philly or Brooklyn seemed like to be the two spots it was going to be. It winds up being Brooklyn. They now have a big three, we think. I don't know what the, what the story is with, uh, you know, with Kyrie Irving right now. Jared Allen goes to the Cavs somehow. And basically what's going to happen is you get that big three in Brooklyn. They mortgage the future by giving all of these picks. But Brooklyn has a pretty sweet team, in my opinion. What's your first takeaway when you look at this trade? Just from an NBA, not from a Nuggets perspective, just the NBA perspective. Well, first of all, wow. Like everything about that was wow. Like for for just to just run down the last 24 hours and to see everything that's going on with Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn. And then you, you go across the country and you see everything that's happening with James Harden. And he publicly called out the front office as well as um, told his teammates that they just weren't good enough. Like that is insane for him to get moved the very next day. It was like, Hey, if I if I act out so so much, then they have to give me exactly what I want. Um, but as far as a basketball standpoint, I mean, you can't say arguably a big three like this is a big three. These are the three best ISO players in the entire NBA, all on the exact same team now. Are they and, number one, two, and three at ISO players? Like they honestly might be the three best isolation players. I truly believe that they're the best. Like they're the best three isolation players 
And then the idea of not being able to triple or double team them at times, that is going to be scary. I have no idea how teams are going to be able to, to, to defend them as well as the, the many staggers that, that Steve Nash and and Brooklyn will be able to do this year. Like I have, I have no idea how you could stop a team like that besides just trying to attack every, all of the other players. So this is what I hate about it, man, is I like basketball when it's this like complex puzzle that you have to solve all of the different parts. And by the way, there's still that like three best isolation players, also three of the most disgruntled superstars. Like I have no idea if these guys are going to mesh and that's, that becomes the question. And by the way, that's my least favorite question. Like I'm not looking forward to the jump every single day. Not that I watch the jump, but I'm not looking forward to it every single day talking about the personalities of these guys, because I'd rather talk about the basketball, but even just solving the basketball, you're right. Like, what does Steve Nash need to do? You got to still have DeAndre Jordan to run pick and rolls with. You still have like guys that can space the court on, on that Brooklyn team, like you, solid role players, but you got guys that you can't help off of and guys that can take anybody one-on-one. Like the, the basketball aspect of them, I think is actually not that compelling and that it's not that complicated. It's the most simple version of basketball. You can't guard them and there's nothing you could do everything about it is going to be offense. Like, I don't even think that they have an idea about defense at so, like whatsoever. And then it makes sense because they have D'Antoni over there. They have Steve Nash. Right. We already know what type of offensive players that they were when they were um, with the Phoenix Suns. But when you look at it, the downfall for the entire team is they have DeAndre Jordan at the center position, and they really don't have a backup behind them. They're going to have to play right. Jeff Green um, at backup. A lot of times Kevin Durant's going to have to defend um, the center position in weird lineups. Um, you're asking for those players to do a lot, but at the same time, you have the best offense in the entire league. Yeah. And you, they lose Karis Levert. They lose Torian Prince and Jared Allen. So they did lose some of their really good player. I mean, you're not going to get James Harden without losing something, but I do think that the, that team is just like Michael Malone calls three stops in a row, a kill. How many times do you think teams are going to get a kill against this Brooklyn Nets team this season? Like, I don't think you will. You might get like one a game against them where they just happen to miss good shots. And it's like, well, the ball bounced your favor. But this was what happened with, and I'm going to go, I'm going old school a little bit for probably some of our audience. But if you go back to just the Chauncey era Pistons, I should actually call them the Ben Wallace era Pistons. That was a team that nobody, there was never a run against them. Because if you scored three times in a row, it was a miracle. Like they just consistently got stops. And I and it, it kind of broke you because if Detroit scored three times in a row, you were like, crap, man, this sucks because we ain't going to score three times in a row. And I feel like with Brooklyn, you're right about the defense. But I look at them and I go, they're going to demoralize you because if you don't score on them three times in a row, if you just miss shots, it's like, man, we, we blew it because <laughs> they are definitely scoring three out of five times at least. They also have – you know what what the league has turned into and that's three-point shooting yeah they have kevin Durant who shoots the three ball well james harden kyrie irvin of course but they also have space and they have joe harris they have landry shamet that could really yeah. score off the bench they have Tyler shoot, Johnson, yeah. who's aggre- aggressive um they have uh timothy luau he, he's pretty good as a scorer we've seen that bruce bowen could score um based off of how maybe he, maybe he could last bruce, night for sure bruce brown um, bruce brown yeah i mean it was just how the, how the nuggets gave it to him um but they just have other guys that can get it on their own which really makes it very very unique yeah it's a drag man I, I, i'll be honest i don't i i kind of hate the move because it might not where i'm not saying this is an inevitable like brooklyn's gonna win it's just the only way they lose is in the most annoying version the annoying way possible which is that they're just an annoying 
group of complaining superstars that did this to force their way here and they just didn't get along, which is really possible. I just don't want to talk about it if that's the case. I don't care. Like, I want to watch the basketball and that's what I like. The other thing I don't like about it, and I'm just being the, the crabby guy here, Dev. You can uh, trust me, man. I get it. But I'm being the crabby guy here. I, I, I actually really liked watching Kevin Durant last night and I don't, I haven't liked Kevin Durant so much over his career. Like I, I've liked, he's obviously so talented. Like I can't deny talent, but you know, he played alongside Russell Westbrook and I felt like we never got the full KD experience because he was always limited by another superstar who I think hindered him a little bit. Then he goes to Steph Curry. And in the same way, I felt like Steph Curry hindered Kevin Durant, the superstar, obviously elevated him as a teammate, like as a team, they were unstoppable, but we did ever saw KD have to do everything. And, and I think he's capable of doing everything. And last night against the Nuggets, as much as it sucked that it was against our Nuggets, I watched him set the table in the first half and still score 14 points, get eight assists. And I'm just like, dude, this guy can't be, I mean, he's being guarded by Bull Bull, but I'm like, this guy can do whatever he wants. He looks like LeBron out there. And then in the second half, he just drops buckets and closes the door. And I'm like, man, this is what I like. KD and a bunch of high-level role players, and you get to see him have to do everything. And I just, there's something about sports where I like guys having to be pushed out of their comfort zone to plug every hole. And when I see this team, I'm like, you know what? We're not going to get the best version of KD. Like, there's just going to be nights where Kyrie or, or James or both are taking over and he just doesn't have to do anything. And so that's my crabby old man uh, old man rant. How, how, uh, how much of an old man do I sound like? You don't sound too bad, um, especially with the way that Kevin Durant is viewed, um, like in a, in a public, like as a public figure. He right. like a lot of what people have issues with Kevin Durant is a lot off of the court. On the court, he's an excellent basketball player that's unselfish. Even though he's one of the best scorers in the entire NBA in the entire world, um, he also um, is a player that you that you talked about like he already he's coming off of an Achilles injury that he suffered in you would never know in the five in the finals and you have no idea this is our first time like you said that we got to see him in in a light that he got to take every single shot it was all about him and we hadn't seen that since the Seattle days right. uh, so like it was fun to see that type of Kevin Durant he's still putting up insane numbers after coming off an injury after um, being around so many other players, he's able to get whatever he wants. But but like you said, he, he was limited in a lot of different ways, even though it made him a better basketball player. And we got to see him um, showcase everything um, last night. So the last piece of this that I don't really care for, I mean, of course, Kyrie has just been MIA for a little bit. The news came out that he was partying with Drake, or at least it was at a birthday party. I don't know if I want to say partying, but he had some sort of private event that there were a lot of unmasked people in. Obviously, we would consider that a risky COVID uh, event. And I think the NBA will look at it that way as well. So we don't know. He might miss a lot of time. Who knows what his situation will be like throughout the season, this or that. But the other part of it I don't like is the James Harden aspect of this, which is, I just hate how easy it is to get what you want in the NBA when you're a star player. And this is not get what you want like all players can. It's just that there's like 20 guys in the NBA and there's really 10 guys in the NBA that if they just want to like blow things up for their organization, they can. And I'm not saying the Rockets didn't deserve it, but James Harden did as many things wrong as you can do over this whole stretch. And his teammates and his new coach and all of those things in Houston like are the ones that are – they're the they're the the residual damage, right? They just happen to be in the area, so they're all going to have to take one year of their careers off, basically. And he just because he wanted to do this, and he got it. And so there's a part of this where I just look at it and I go, "Man, this kind of sucks from an NBA standpoint." Because not that I don't think players should be able to hold their organizations accountable, I think you should. But when it happens like this, it just feels so like, "What are we doing here?" 
Yeah. The thing that I hate most, and I think that this was uh, going into every team that really wanted to get after James Harden, um, was the fact that if you got James Harden, you had to change your entire team. Right. And get him. Um, James Harden, like everything, like we, everyone talks about how everything was handpicked for LeBron James, um, right. for him to get who he wanted and things of that nature, even though that's not true. Um, James Harden got the best of what was available that fit around him. Houston is all shooters around. <laughs> right. right. Yep. Yep. Their center is, is, is a six, seven, you know, man, right. or however tall PJ yeah. Tucker is, even though they just got DeMarcus cousins, but we haven't seen that. Right. Everything that they've built was around James Harden for him to basically like just leave him out to dry because he was unhappy that they weren't winning. Um, that, that just makes it really tough, especially like you seeing, like you just said, Kyrie Irving is having issues. Um, Brooklyn's having issues and they're complaining about things. Then he goes out and he complains about things. And this is something that he's been basically pitching for ever since Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving got together. Like yeah. it was kind of like, I'm sure that we'll find something down the road that they'll say there was some type of collusion or, or something that was going on because he's, he's been vocal about the fact that he wants out and we all knew where he wanted out too. He's I don't even know if it's collusion. Like sometimes things just happen in the out in the open. Like he didn't have to collude. They just, he just, you saw that pass he threw to John wall yesterday. I think it was to John wall where he just like rolled the ball to him where John wall had to like run and get it. Cause he's like, yeah, this, this possession's you. I'm going to go stand back. And it's like, you just do that, and eventually a team has to be like, are we going to keep doing this? Are we going to trade you? Because he ain't going to change, and he's not going to – We he has to play. He doesn't have to play hard. He doesn't have to do the plays. He doesn't have to run the system. He just has to show up, and he's like, yeah, I'll keep doing that. And I'll he keep did showing that up. for the last three games. Like, he's really been checked out for the last three games, and the fact that they had to play the Lakers, who were the, the defending NBA champions back-to-back, made it right. that much worse because it's like, okay, we're getting destroyed. We're getting beat so bad by this team. But at the same time, you're not playing to the best of your ability. Nobody's playing yeah. to the best of their ability. Guys are getting back from injuries as well as the the protocol, the safety and health protocol. Like right. we didn't get to see the real version of the Rockets. Do yeah. I think that they would have been as good as the Lakers? Of course not. Right. But at, like that's not saying that he shouldn't have like given given it a try. He wanted out. He's been saying he wanted out. So um, that I wanted to ask you, though, what's the difference between what Harden did and what Anthony Davis did? Because I do think that there's a little bit of a like everybody hates James Harden and Anthony Davis was like, he deserved it. That organization was terrible over there in New Orleans. And it's like, I don't know, guys, like, you know, maybe they weren't the best, but he also quit on the team, made everybody uncomfortable and just stopped trying to showed up with the that's all. Like he also made it clear he wasn't giving you anything. He was just showing up so he didn't get fined. I just, I feel like it's a weird double standard. Maybe it's just that Lakers fans make up half of all fans, so they're not going to attack him. Yeah, the only thing that I think was a little bit different about Anthony Davis and James Harden is James Harden did show up eventually. You know, like <laughs> his partying binge and, and right. whatnot. But that's what he's always been. That's also another reason that it's awkward that he left how he left right. um, because they gave him the freedom to do whatever he so wanted. True. But the difference was Anthony Davis did not play basketball when he right. was making his decision. He was right. on the sideline saying he was injured. He just didn't want to play just so that he could stay healthy and, and get ready to play. And then also, like looking back in hindsight, now that you bring it up, Anthony Davis now does not miss many games and like he was missing a lot of games with yeah. the pelicans oh like, man yeah he was just so unhappy because right. like my idea about anthony davis was he was a glass man like he never right. played yep. 
never was like he was always a game time decision. Sometimes he would play, sometimes he didn't. Right. With the Lakers, he's playing through injuries. Like he's actually wants right. to be there and he's actually playing basketball. Yeah, it's tough, man. It's a really tough break. Well, my prediction coming into the season was that the Nets were going to talk trash about the media all year, shoot nothing but isolation, step back, mid-range jumpers so that analytics people are unhappy, be the six seed and then win the championship. And I think it's going to happen. I actually think that's exactly how this is going to go. Didn't really make any type of changes. I did see that they said that like with all of the trades that, that went through um, Brooklyn, like was a plus 18 in wins by acquiring uh, James Harden. So maybe they're not a six seed. Maybe they have four, four. Yeah. Yeah. They just might be a two seed. Yeah. But also teams are going to like look at them in the playoffs if they don't address like the size difference and they're going to be like, maybe we really don't want to play them early, but we're not <laughs> afraid of them. You know, like yeah, maybe I'm afraid of them and, unless they just hate each other, which is a real possibility. The other side of this for the Western conference. So the Pacers got Karis Levert. They lost Victor Oladipo, who I don't think they wanted anyway. Um, you know, that was, a, I think they they welcomed that. And Karis Levert, I think a really good, really good player. He fills the TJ Warren role who they lost, you know, for this season. So Karis Levert, I think, uh, you know, with Indiana makes them really good. And then the Rockets get Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, and a bunch of picks. And I'll tell you this, number one, I don't trust that ownership group with Tillman Fertitta to make the most of those picks. Like some, some organizations get a ton of picks like Oklahoma City and they suck. Or, or, and then they make them happen. Like they'll draft really well. And some organizations get a bunch of picks and I'm like, yeah, they can have 50 picks. They're not going to build a contender. That's how I feel about Houston. So in one way for Denver, I do feel like this makes one team in the Houston Rockets that I'm a little less concerned of both short-term and long-term. Um, but we'll see. We'll have to see how it plays out. What do you think about them? Yeah, I mean, the fact that they didn't have to give up Kyrie Irving, I think that they didn't even hear anything else. They did not care about anything right. else that happened. When you when you get to get the big three, that's the new big three that they have right now. Um, I don't think they cared about anything else. But again, like you said, um, with having the ability to just have all those first round picks unprotected, they're just like, oh, well, they don't care. Um, mm. The only thing that they really do miss will be Jared Allen. Um as far as having a, a yeah. center who really should be a starter, but is a backup right now, um, a rim protector and, and other teams have to like respect him and things of that nature. But as far as everything else, like James Harden comes in and he answers Karis Levert or anything else that comes with it. So right. I think that they were excited about like what they gave up. All right, on the other side, so I know everybody wants to hear Nuggets talk, but I just, that's such a big deal. Sometimes things happen in the NBA. It's like, we can't not talk about this. We have to talk about what happened because this this changes the balance of the entire NBA. Up next, we're going to talk about should the Nuggets have done this. We've talked about it a little bit, but now that you see the price, like, okay, let's see if that, that was a price Denver would have been willing to pay or could they gotten involved and facilitated something. Um, but before we do, want to tell you a couple deals here. First one, Hassle Cattle Company. You guys have heard us talking about this. The Hassle Cattle Company, the family-owned uh, ranch and, and cattle company out there in Texas that is a fourth-generation cattle farm, and they sh- ship all of this delicious beef steaks uh uh frank's bacon all this different stuff directly to your door and what's cool about them right now is that they are our member deal of the week if you're a dnvr member you get this email sent right to you we got a link for you and if you're a member you get uh 50 off this week of their ground beef which is really cool so um hassle cattle company if you've been thinking about when to get on in on it this is a great week for you to do that they got awesome different packages you can order like a box of steaks and burgers and a, a, you know a variety pack they 
They've got a bunch of different types of variety packs, or you can just order a bunch of steaks and they'll come right to your door. Uh, it's a really good deal because it's premium. It's not the like bottom shelf stuff. This is premium stuff, but it's at that, you know, regular price. So check them out. Hassle Cattle Company, H-A-S-S-E-L-L, cattlecompany.com. And then if you want to just make another order, use DNVR10 for 10% off. And any order over $200, you get free shipping straight to your door. The other deal here, DraftKings. You guys know about DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. If you haven't tried them out yet, what are you waiting for? We're going to have – it probably won't be till next week. We're going to launch a new pregame show, and it's going to be very DraftKings-centric. We're going to be talking about all of our different um, – you know, our picks, we're going to go through all the player props, game lines, and all that different stuff as we preview the game. It's just a way, a vehicle for us to talk about the game. And I'm really excited about it, but it's going to be way better if you actually have the DraftKings app. So when we're talking about it, you can go along with us, decide which bets you want to take, and maybe even talk us into some different um, prop bets that you like. It's just a lot of fun. And you don't have to be, you can gamble however much money you're comfortable with. It's just really fun Some a, a lot of times to put a little bit, even if it's just a dollar, to put a dollar on the game and be like, ooh, boom, I got it right. Gary Harris was going to make threes tonight. Um, they've got the deal going on this week. D D uh, DraftKings is giving all new players a chance to bet on any of the weekend's football games, 100 to one odds. All you have to do is bet $1. And if you get, if you bet your, if you get it right, you get a hundred dollars. So this is like super low risk, super high reward. Uh, download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get 100 to one odds on any football game this weekend. That's the promo code DNVR. And of course that's limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522 four seven zero zero all right let's get back into some nugget centric stuff here um so dev the I, the deal that i i looked at when i was looking at james harden i don't think james harden made any sense in denver unless you were getting rid of jamal murray and throwing everything up but i don't you were never going to do that but if you were just talking about turning mpj into james harden it never made sense to me let me give you one reason why and we're going to talk about this stat a lot the denver nuggets starting lineup right now with jamal murray gary harris will barton he's played about over twice as many minutes as Michael Porter as a starter this season. Paul Millsap, Nikola Jokic. That's your best five-man offensive unit in the NBA right now. Why do you need to add another offensive player? Especially one that you're not – I mean, would he make them better offensively? I think so. I'm not certain because the personality fit this or that. But if you were just looking at the Denver Nuggets roster, I think it's a really hard sell to say their way – what they need to improve on is offense. They need to get better there. Just from a baseline perspective, James Harden specifically – would he have made Denver better? I mean, you just said that that was the the best in the NBA. Like, if number you bring one, James Harden, number one, if you bring James Harden and all they're going to be doing is going after like history, but then they're right. still not going to be winning as many games. And also, it does not address the the fact that they're not going to win in the playoffs with that type of right. brand of basketball. Um, the thing with James Harden is you have to surround James Harden with shooters. Right. If you get rid of Michael Porter Jr. The Nuggets don't have shooters. Right. So now you're you're putting James Harden in a lot of ISO situations with a traditional center um, setting screens and, you know, pick and popping, but that's not going to open up James Harden. So I think that he would even um, not be at his best. I think that it just did not make sense for James Harden to be a Nugget. So it didn't make sense. But now the question becomes, and I think most people would have agreed about that. Most people, I think your talk radio people were like, well, you mean a superstar. You're too good for that, but whatever. But facilitating the deal 
because we saw that Cavs and the Pacers got in on this one and ended up getting good pieces. In my opinion, they got good pieces for it. The one, if you talk big pieces, the one that I was an advocate for, although I'd say kind of a soft advocate, would be that if you could get Ben Simmons in the deal. We know Philadelphia was very interested. He was even on the table. If Denver could have landed Ben Simmons, I would have paid a lot to have gotten him, including future first-round picks, including Michael Porter, including maybe Bull Bull and other other young pieces. I just you have to get your core lined up. All the other pieces are just guys you can find. Like there's always role players that could fit around a core. And to me, Jamal Murray, Ben Simmons, Jokic, that was like, that's probably the best core you could have built in Denver realistically. So I was for that one. Ben Simmons adds size. He adds defense, which is the biggest issue like that the Nuggets really have. Um, and then also he's a player that can play off of the ball a lot of the time. So I think that he was yeah. slash and it would, it would open things up for them. Um, I'm not a huge Ben Simmons guy just for the fact that he can't shoot or space the floor. So right. I think that it works in the regular season, but we, we've seen that it it's proven ineffective in the playoffs just because teams know how to defend like Ben Simmons. Like there's no way that Ben Simmons becomes a decent shooter overnight when he's been going for zero threes a year. Um, so that I think that that's something that will make them very, very difficult, especially with a player like Jokic who spaces the floor and then does his whip passes. I think as a slasher, it makes sense, but I think it would be really tough to, to sell the fact that a, a guard next to a guard can't shoot the ball. Here's the thing. Denver had that number one offense, right? With that lineup. Gary Harris wasn't shooting the ball till very recently. Will Barton wasn't shooting the ball. So part of me, until this last game. So I look at that part of it. I look at it and I go, yeah, Ben Simmons can't shoot, but he can do a whole bunch of other things. And, if you have Jokic and you have Murray and you can add, okay, if you have Ben Simmons, you're probably going to add at least one more or keep one more guy that you can rely rely on to knock down threes, whether that would have been Will Barton or Gary Harris, just somebody that you're like, okay, this guy, Monte Morris, okay, he can knock down shots. He's, he's not elite, but he's going to make open ones. I don't, maybe you don't need it. I, I'm really curious what happens when you give Jokic a bunch of defensive players. And I'm just curious if that's like a top five offense, if you have four Tory Craigs on the court, I don't know. Um, and so that's, that's my one pushback to that. I think it will be fun um, if you put them around defenders, but I think that you, again, you have to have someone that has the, at least the ability to shoot the ball. Like yeah. Ben Simmons adds no gravity to a free flowing offense. I think that makes yeah. it really tough to put him alongside Jokic. Like maybe if we were talking about Danny Green or someone like that who can knock down the three ball as well as play defense, then then it, it makes a lot of sense for the gravity portion of it. But Ben Simmons, like we already see that with defenders right now, defenses are already sagging off of Jokic. Yeah. Now you get to sag off of Jokic and Ben Simmons. So now you just have two guys on an island in Jamal Murray and whoever the other shooter is on the floor. I just don't think it makes um, a lot of sense logistically. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe you're right. I know Nuggets fans weren't very excited about that one, but I th this brings me to my next question. This is where we're going to play a little devil's advocate because Michael Porter, we saw a video of him today on Snapchat out, out because he can't be around the team. He can't be inside the facility. He can't be around any coaches. Like I actually feel for the guy. And maybe this is a good question for Michael Malone tomorrow. Just how much are they talking? Is this like, is there a coach that is calling him every day? Is it Michael Malone? Who's just saying like, yo, uh, you know, this is doing film study or this or that, or is he off on his own? I mean, it's got to be a little isolating to be out there all by himself. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Like, so I wonder what, I wonder what the interaction has been like for him. Yeah, that, that has to be tough, especially for a player like um, Michael Porter Jr. Who's 
uh, offense is predicated on tough jumpers. Um, he's doing step backs. Um, he's taking shots with the defender on him all the time. So you know that it has to be in his offensive like repertoire to get as many shots up as he can a day and to, to basically not have that type of rib, rhythm has to throw it off. Um, we all know that NBA players are really meticulous about rhythms and, and he was yeah. finally in a rhythm. Yeah. And now he's well, going to stop that rhythm um, yeah. just because of the, the COVID and things of that nature. Um, and then with that, this is maybe the first time in, in, in his life that he doesn't have a person rebounding for him and things of that nature. So you probably have to shift the way that you work out if you are working out. And I just wonder with him, like so much of this is like, you know, he, or he, he needs to fill a part of this team. And I know the team is probably reaching out to him and this or that, but man, it's, it's gotta be hard to, it's, it's gotta be hard to like feel a part of it through all of this. Cause the team had to move on. I mean, that's part of the story of the season is that the team moved on without him. And it's kind of like, he's coming back at some point, we'll find out when, and they found a, a synergy and everything without him. So, um, but I, you know, that being said, my preference still, I love Michael Porter. Like people think for whatever reason, I don't like it. I love this dude as a basketball player. Like if he can figure it out, yes, he makes their offense better. I think he can make their defense better too. Right now he's an anchor on it, but I think he can get to that point. And if it works out that way, one, it's always easier to sign your own players financially. Like there's just rules in place for you to be able to keep your guys. So like it makes it easier. And then Denver's just never had to give away major pieces. Like that would be the first one and it'd feel weird. So I'm still with it, man. I'm still with it, but it is weird how Denver has, I don't know, four more games, three more games without him. And then he joins, like, it, it's just weird that he has gone back so much of his time in Denver. He has been like an afterthought. I hadn't even thought about him and I'm kind of back there again. I'm like not even thinking about him until he's real again. Yeah, And it makes it really tough, especially like with a young player um, like Michael Porter Jr. Who has really been <clears throat> challenged a lot by his head coach um, mm -hmm. altogether. So you already have an issue trying to fit in with the guys on the team. Um, then you're a lot different than him in a lot of ways. And then his ceiling is so strong. He's been a phenom um, since he's, you know, really touched the basketball probably. Um, but then you you have this, this off the court battle with your coach all the time. And now right. you went from finally being a starter to now the team that you're not a starter in replaces you. And now they become the number one offense in the NBA. Like that has to be like something that could mentally get in your head. Um, as well, especially like if you take a look back at last year, he was in the zone, he was in the rhythm, and then right. he got injured. So right. then that stopped like the flow, Man, and then so it was true. hard to keep him on the floor for long stints and things of that nature. So I know that has to be in his head, and we know that Michael Porter Jr. is a player that that can get in his own head at, at times. So um, it, it becomes tough. Let's talk about Bulbul because he he was the story of yesterday in large part, but he gets that start. And I will honestly, when he gets the start, part of me wondered like, all right, the James Harden trades out there. Maybe there's, maybe this is like, Hey, let's, we're going to showcase this dude one last time and like show people that he can play or this or that. I was like, why on earth would you start him against Kevin Durant? No less. Like it just doesn't make any sense to me that you'd be like your first start. I know you have barely played this year, but go out and guard KD. What'd you make of that decision? And what did you make of what you saw from him? I mean, it made complete sense. Um, especially with how Malone is really like, I'm um, doing his, his lineups this year. He's doing a hockey man like rotation where he's got five guys in five guys out. So it made sense to bring someone in off of the bench um, or sorry, that's like not in the bench rotation 
to, to go with the starters so that when the bench comes in, that's where they could try to gain their momentum mm-hmm. that they've been getting, especially with them, like finally finding a rhythm themselves. Um, a, a lot of the season has been um, the, the backups not really having anything going for themselves. So for them to finally get something going, I think that Malone said, I'm not going to do anything to touch this. Then it made sense for Bobo to be in the starting lineup with a, a, a player like Kevin Durant. Cause I know the idea was, he can't guard Kevin Durant, but then you look at it. No one can, nobody can right. guard Kevin Durant. Right, right, so right. At least you get, get a guy that like, it's a, it's a, it's a win-win because you get a different look at him, um, especially against a superstar and what type of defender he could be because he's had so many issues as far as um, offensive, just knowing right. where to be on the floor. Um, he he kind of just looks like a JV player out there at times, but then there's so much intrigue and so much promise Bobo because he is a player that like we've seen, he, he came and knocked down his, his first shot of the game with the three pointer. I think he was two for two. I think he, he made also both of his shots turn around and things of that nature, but yeah. he also, he, he altered Kevin Durant. Like he made right. Kevin Durant think of what is it like? I don't know what I'm doing with this guy. Why is he on me? Right, he does right. not deserve to be on me, right. but also with his length and athleticism and being able to, to be a versatile defender that made it a lot easier for, for Malone to give him a little bit more minutes. It's like, okay, you gave us like what you could, we might as well get you some more minutes. Um, I think that Bobo is intriguing. And like I said on the show last night, like experience is the only way that he is going to get better. Like there's no way that Bobo just keeps on watching the game from the sidelines and he becomes a a good player one day. Like you have to- You got to play him for sure. And actually be out there and, and learn on the fly. And that's what Bobo got to do last night. So one perspective on this game last night, Dev, and this part sucks, but one perspective is they played Bol Bol. He did good. That first stint was like pretty good. He got foul trouble right away. You kind of expected that, but he got in foul trouble. The Nuggets are rolling. Second half starts. He's on the court. They give up all these points. I'm not saying it was his fault. It was everybody's fault that was on the court. But, of course, when we talk about can he play more minutes, the Nuggets – the game came down to a five minute, six, seven minute stretch, whatever it was, where the Nuggets gave up their entire lead and fell behind by a decent margin, all in one basic run. And so I wonder, like, you can't afford to play guys that just by virtue of them being on the court, you are vulnerable to losing the game in five minute stretches. And again, I'm not saying it's his fault, but if you're Michael Malone, you look at that and go, if we didn't play bowl ball, would we have given up a 26 to four run or whatever it was like, probably not. I, I don't know. probably not. So do you think he gets back on the court or do you think because of that run specifically, he might, this might be another like, okay, 10 games from now, you might get back on. I think with that, I think that you look at the game in its entirety. Um, and I think that a lot of it has to do with PJ Dozier. Also, I think that when you play a guy that is a rotational guy, that's really a glue guy in a sense that's only supposed to play a little bit of minutes and then they're forced to play a lot of minutes. It becomes like very difficult to like, now you get to see the flaws in their game. So if Bobo was the only play that first stint last night um, and then the Nets don't go into the the second half and, and talk to Kevin Durant, let him know, Hey, if Bobo's guarding you, you better just destroy him in the second half or, or find his zone. Then I don't think that we would even be talking about Bobo. We'll be saying how good he looked in his small stint. But the, the fact that they had to go with him um, to keep that that second like unit going, it made it like really difficult. So just play Bobo and PJ Dozier like smaller minutes and you get to see the promise that we've seen right. like Dozier in the bubble. Um, but then when you have to play him a long time, you start to see things that that you did not like see right. when they were playing small stints. Here's my overarching thought on the Bobo experiment yesterday. Early on in the season, 
he looked so bad that you thought maybe he's unplayable. Like, it, it, just in Denver, if you sent him to one of the tanking teams, they could get through those first 20 games where he's just a negative 10, negative 15 net, and you you have to get over that hump before you can start to develop. And Denver maybe wasn't positioned to do that. Seeing him in that game, I thought, you know, it was probably a lot more comfortable for him to play in a lineup that could do so much heavy lifting to where all he had to do was, and I know this sounds silly, but all he had to do was knock down shots and guard Kevin Durant, which, okay, it's not that easy. But the other thing I think about it is, what is hard for Michael Porter and and Bull Bull right now? It's not guarding one-on-one. That is hard. They're not good at it. But that part is at least you know what you're doing. You just have to stay in front of a guy, and you either can or can't. What's hard is reading the court. And I think when you put him on Kevin Durant, he didn't have to read the court. Like, he just had to guard Kevin Durant. And I know that's super, super hard, but maybe that's part of why he didn't look bad. And maybe it gives you a little bit of a window into Michael Porter. Like, can Michael Porter lo- learn the help side aspects of the game over the course of the series, if you're always putting him on the best player, will he get cooked? Yes. But what kills you isn't, you know, always Kevin Durant going for 35, 40 points, whatever he had. It's the 14 assists because the backside rotations are always getting messed up. So I don't know. That was that was kind of my overarching take on it. Let's take our let's take another break here. But on the other side, I want to talk about Jamal Murray, the state of the Nuggets and whether you're concerned or whether you feel like they're on the upswing and all that stuff. But first, I want to remind everybody about Green Mountain Dental, one of my favorite partners that we have. They're another local, Colorado local, up there in Lakewood, family-owned dentist, and just really cordial, like great people that get to know you as you start going there more and more. Uh, they'll send you the, the cards on your birthday, and, and you know they, they'll remember your charts when you come in. It's not one of those things where every time you go in, you have somebody different. They're like, okay, who are you again? What's your know? They follow up. They take good care of you. They want you to be as healthy as possible. So you can schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam right now with them. And when you do, you get a free Sonicare toothbrush, which is like, okay, maybe you were sick of your toothbrush and you want to get a new one, or you've never had one of these like high top shelf uh, toothbrushes, the free Sonicare toothbrush, just for going in and getting an x-ray and exam. You can't beat it. So uh, check them out. Green Mountain Dental Group, longtime DNVR partners, DNVR subscribers, DNVR members, and diehard Denver sports fans. Um, check them out today. And then lastly, I want to tell you about another one of our longtime partners, Strava Craft Coffee, another local business right here. You can subscribe now to their subscription service where they send you coffee every single month. Uh, you never have to go shopping for it. delivers right to your door. You sign up for them. You sign up for the Hassle Cattle Company. Then boom, you got coffee and meats coming straight to your door. It's a great deal. With a Strava Craft subscription, you save 20% every single time you get a new order in. That's a fantastic deal. Um, and if you haven't tried them, they've got that rich CBD infused coffee. This is not psychoactive. CBD is not like you don't get high off of it or anything like that, but it does provide you a bunch of other uh, auxiliary benefits, including help on back pain, joint aches, migraines, IBS, a whole host of other things. So check them out. If you haven't tried them, if you're on the fence, next time you're in at the DNVR bar, we have Strava Craft on tap. That's right, on tap. So if you're there, maybe it's a morning game or this weekend's football games you want to come watch. Order some breakfast. Get that. I highly recommend the breakfast hash. It's like one of my favorite items on the entire menu. Get the breakfast breakfast hash and order a Strava Craft coffee to check it out and let us know what you think. All right, Dev, let's wrap things up here today by talking about Jamal Murray. Um, we'll start with him. There's been a lot of talk about the season that he's having. He certainly looks not 100% to me, but at the same time, like his numbers aren't bad. He does some good things. What, what's your overarching um, perspective on his season so far? Yeah. I don't think that, I mean, I do think that there's something else that's not being discussed a lot, but the great thing is that Jamal Murray is a, is a a player of no excuses. Like he has at all. Like he's just out there playing every single game. 
Um, and a lot of times we're mad about like Kyrie Irving not playing, James Harden deciding that he doesn't want to play and taking nights off. And then you have a player like Jamal Murray that wants to play every single day. That's going to give all that he can while he's on the court. Like that, that's just a lot different. Um, as far as, as the season goes, this is a player that's doing it in different ways. And I think that that like shows just the type of player Jamal Murray is as well. Like we've seen him at, at his pinnacle in the bubble, but if we take away the bubble, we wouldn't be so tough on him. Like him playing the best basketball, like in, in reaching a peak, what it feels like is like what everyone is judging everything off of. Um, Jamal yeah. Murray, of course, his numbers are down. He's not scoring as much. He's not being as physical. Um, he definitely he not being as physical. He can't create any type of separation at all. He's not it's getting crazy throw line. Um, there's like there's a lot of things that you should be worried about. Um, but also, if you let, take a look at last night's game, like he led the, the, the Nuggets in scoring or, or in shot attempts, at least. Hmm. Um, so maybe that he's on the upswing and he's trying to find himself and get himself going um, in different ways. Um, so I do think that there is going to be a change coming soon or at least for him to say, hey, I need to sit it down um, until I could figure it out or I'm back. Do you think he can play with Will Barton? I hear this. I hear the theory, the two theories that I hear a lot. He can't play with Michael Porter because let's be honest, Jamal Murray's not a point guard in the traditional sense. He's a combo guard. He does a little point guardy things, but he's best when he's looking for his score. Is, is he, can he not play with Will Barton or Michael Porter Jr.? Is there one of those you agree with one you don't? What's your perspective there? I mean, I think it makes more sense for him to be able to play with a player like Will Barton, who's a playmaker um, that can set him up um, as a point guard. Um, and, and get him to his shots right now he's not shooting so we don't know what it would look like if he was like shooting the right. same shots that he typically would because Barton has been finding him and trying to set him up for shots he's just not shooting them right now but as far as Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. is a player that wants to have the ball in his hands a lot of times and and then you have two very very talented offensive players but then you have a player that's playing at an MVP level that you do have to get right. the ball so it makes it really difficult for Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, and Jokic to get going at the same time. Like last year in the bubble, um, um, we got to see Michael Porter Jr. looked really well in the bubble. And that's when Michael, I mean, when Jamal Murray wasn't playing. And then right. you got to see Jamal Murray go insane. And Michael Porter Jr. was getting through an injury. So like we haven't got to see them both go at the exact same time. Plus, you know, you have to give the ball to Jokic. Um, I, I would side with going with Will Barton for Jamal Murray, but then that leaves um, that leaves Michael Porter Jr. on the bench, and we know what type of talent he is, so that makes it really difficult to have a player that good come off of the bench or not be a part of your, your bench because you want him in your future. I still think he's doing it when he comes back. I really do. For like five games, even. I don't even know if it'll be just for one game, um, unless there's another injury or somebody else needs a night off, which I could also see, but you know, I just that starting group and a lot of this is chemistry, and they they're good in in this. People are gonna get so mad at this. They're good in the way that those Atlanta Hawks teams were good, right? Like we know they're good and they could bank wins, but I don't think that's the answer. That's not the answer. They're not gonna get. We know that ceiling, but Denver needs to bank wins right now. So you might just try to. You got three games coming up. Try to get two of those wins or three three if you can. Michael Porter comes back. Try to get four out of five or something, you know, and then work him back in. Just bank wins until you are able to make a little bit. Uh, take a little bit more risk uh, with your lineups. I just, I, I, that's what I see happening. Last one here for you, Dev. The Denver Nuggets as a whole, you, you know, they're five and six right now. What do you make of where they are? Like, are you concerned? Do you feel like they're playing good basketball over this last five, six game stretch? What's kind of your, your take? 
Um, I think that it's, I think it's kind of too early to tell just because they've had the easiest like schedule in the NBA right now. And they're still like have a losing record. Um, But then you get to look at them like uh, in depth look and there are playing like they're playing better. You could actually see them playing better. Um, If we'll, I mean, if, Kevin Durant doesn't go insane in the third quarter and Brooklyn Nets make everything. We will be saying that they look complete. Like they look like the team that everyone is accustomed to seeing. And then you look at the Western conference, they have their five and six right now. Um, The trailblazers is just a random team throughout there. They're six and four. So it's not like they're really and they're in the fifth seed. Portland is, I think Denver's like two games back right now of the two seed or something. So yeah, it's not, they're not. Yeah. Like, it's not like they're getting like, so left behind. It's still a lot of basketball to be played. Plus there's so many randomness about this year that's going on that. I mean, anything could happen, you know, and, and the nuggets seem to be getting themselves better. And they're also a team that's built for the future because they have they have a lot of guys. They're trying to get their bench unit going. They have the next man up mentality um, right. that a lot of teams really can't afford. Um, they have a lot of guys that could you, you could just stick in at times. As, uh, I mean, you just go back to Bobo starting uh, a day ago. Um, so I think that the Nuggets have a lot of things that are going for them that's going well, and they're not playing well on top of that. You haven't had Jamal Murray play at the level he's supposed to. The bench is finally just now figuring it out. Um, they haven't had many games of Michael Porter Jr., who we know is the future of the Nuggets. Um, Jokic is at an MVP level, so, I mean, there's nothing you could say there. Um, but I think that things are starting to, to get into fruition, like they're starting to get better. Yeah, I look at the schedule and I go, okay, your next three games are all at home, at Golden State, at Utah, at Oklahoma City. I imagine Michael Porter will either be back for the Utah or Oklahoma City game. I imagine Denver would probably prefer it to be Oklahoma City because that's a game you would expect to win, whereas Utah is like, it's a divisional one. But those are all, all being at home and all like teams that are, in my opinion, equals to Denver. Like Golden State right now is really good, but they're not great. They too have some issues to come to figure out. Utah, same thing. If you can get a little bit of momentum there, I'll feel good about it. And I kind of predict it. Like, I think Denver has been sneaky good over their last five games. It's, you know, unfortunate that, you know, they lost that Dallas game. They could have just been a little bit better in that one. Um, they beat Minnesota the two times. So, I, to me, I actually think they've sneaky been good. And I'm optimistic that they can roll off a couple wins in a row. And to me, if they get three wins in a row, that's momentum. Like, that's, that's just all they need to reset the season and start looking like the team we expect. So, I predict it. I think it's going to happen. But Dev, we'll be back in the hopefully the winners' lounge tomorrow. Golden State, you have a prediction? Is that a win? Yeah, I think that that's a win. Um, it seems like for whatever reason the Nuggets are up against Golden State. Like they get up, it's yeah. a nationally televised game. Um, on top of that, so we know that Steph Curry will be at his best. Right. Draymond Green is going to do everything he can to try to slow down Jokic. But that's when you get to see how good Jokic really is against one of the better. Right. Uh, defenders in the entire NBA. Um, plus, I think that Jamal Murray like comes back to life. I hope so. National television game. They're back on TNT. So, you know, a chance for Jamal Murray to maybe silence some people. A chance for Jokic to... I can't believe Jokic's not on the MVP list. Everybody everybody has him on. Like, everybody has him on. It's not that there's like one guy that hates on, on him right now, but everybody has him off the, the MVP thing. And I'm just like, guys, look at this dude right now. Seven steals last night? Seven steals? You know that it only done, been done twice by big men. It was Tim Duncan and, and Dirk Nowitzki or something like that. Like this guy's playing so well, I can't believe people are just leaving him off because the record. So hopefully, 
hopefully he shows out on TNT and they get back to 500 again tomorrow. Uh, all right, guys, that's it for today. You guys can check us out tomorrow, hopefully on the Winner's Lounge, um, up on our YouTube channel as well as here. Before we get out of here, though, I want to remind you about Strava Craft Coffee. You guys subscribe right now. You save 20% with the Strava Craft Coffee subscription, or you can order one time right now just to try it out for the first time and use promo code DNVR20. You also get 20% off with that. With the subscription, it's 20% off every time. With this one, it's a one-time 20% off. And if you haven't tried it, it's rich CBD-infused Strava Craft Coffee. helps with a bunch of auxiliary things doesn't just give you the caffeine doesn't just taste great it also helps you with a whole host of things like joint pain migraines back pain bunch of stuff like that so check them out strava craft coffee